Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. in our lives. Amen. The Lord has been good. He's brought us a long way. And uh, each and every one of us have got some problems. And we've got some things we could sit down and talk about and underline and we could cry our own cup full of tears, rightfully so, not just pity parties. But when we compare that to the goodness of the Lord, amen, when I think about the Lord, And all he's done for me. When I think about the precious promises of his spirit. Amen. That he has not just whispered into my heart and life. But he has brought to fruition. I'm forever indebted to him. Amen. Let's pray today over the word of the Lord. And ask God to help us as we consider his word this morning. Amen. I want to become more like him. And we can only do that with his help. Lord, I love you today and ask you to be our strength. We ask you today to let the anointing of your precious spirit touch our lives. And I'm asking you today, God, to let grace intercept this service. You alone know the exact needs that are here in my life, including me and everyone represented here this morning. And so I'm asking you today to just custom make and custom design this service for us. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. Praise God. And you, you may be seated and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to need some extra help here today, if you will, and uh, because I'm going to talk about a subject that merges two words and um, two things that we're not uh, generally fond of. Is that all right? Amen. Today I want to teach again from the book of James, we're still in chapter 5 as we began that a few nights ago, but I want to talk about facing trials, there's the first uh-oh word, facing trials, no one likes to think about having to face things in our life, and so uh, we're going to talk about facing trials with patience, there's the second uh-oh word. Because we would like to avoid trials and we would like to avoid dealing with situations where we have to be called on to be patient. But James um, truly does. And in this study, we've been, I know, on this for several weeks now. But we have been likening the book of James to the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, there's multiple subjects and many of them are standalone Subjects, even though there's continuity through them, but they can be standalone subjects. And so uh, that is much the nature um, and the common 
commonality that we find in the writings of James. There is certainly a common thread of continuity from beginning to end, but at the same time, there are some standalone subjects. And so in the book of James chapter 5, we're going to make our way to beginning verse 7, and we find a theme that teaches us the importance that the role of patience plays during trying seasons of our life. And uh, we understand, I think for the most part, that trouble in life is just inevitable. Amen? Now, you know, I've, I've got the color crayon box open right now, and it looks like I'm just reaching for the gray. <laughs> but there's a lot more colors in this box. And trust me, in just a few minutes, I'll reach over and grab another color. But if you'll just stay with me for a moment, we'll get to those others. But uh, trouble is an inevitable part, an inevitable part of life. And uh, you just, you, you don't have to live very long before you figure out that it's kind of part and parcel of it all. No one is exempt from problems because we live in a fallen world. And so you can't think, you know, if I just had a better job, a little more money, if I just had different address, blah, 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 that it would somehow exempt me from problems because there's problems in every, uh, in every facet of society, no matter where we go. Job said that man is born for trouble. That's what Job said. He's born for trouble. <laughs> And he says, as, fly, as, as sparks fly upward, just as sure as sparks fly upward, he said, man is born for trouble. And uh, we don't really relish the idea of that. Jesus said through the writings of John, in the world you shall have tribulation. That's an emphatic statement. In this world you shall have tribulation. Paul taught the church of Galatia, he said, through many tribulations, we must enter into the kingdom of God. And so it just seems that problems, trouble, peril, trials, ever what you want to label them as, just seems to be part of the runway of life, and it takes us. And so if trials are inevitable, and we are all going to face them at some point in our lives, and some of them are short, uh, just uh, just a minor temptation that lasts for a few seconds or moments, and we gain the victory over that. And other trials and troubles are much, much longer. I have been accused of being cynical and being negative when talking and teaching about this, and um, and I apologize if that's your takeaway today. But I will promise you this, that there are some things in our life that we're just going to have to build room for. Because until and unless God moves, they're going to be there a while. That's not negative. I'm not being cynical. I'm not trying to speak uh, something into my life unfairly or unjustly so. But there are just some things that come and go. And there are some things that come and go, come and stay at least for a while. And then there may be some things that are just there. Paul had an affliction in his flesh, a thorn in his flesh, as the scripture refers to it as, sought the Lord on multiple occasions for uh, relief or deliverance from that, and he never had that prayer answered. And he then had to turn and see the benefit of what that was in his life. And uh, so I think because of that, Paul is qualified to make this statement to Timothy, he said, join me, join with me in suffering for the gospel. What an invitation. (laughs) 
we get invitations quite a bit to 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 go to different events of this thing, this event or that event, and uh, and it always is uh, kind of celebratory in nature. Join us as we. Um, this mile mark, join us and join us in this and join us in that RSVP and, and uh, oh, well, we going to get that back in the mail because we want to join in that celebration. But Paul said, join me in suffering for the gospel. Wonder how long that line would be. <laughs> just, I'm just thinking it's not crowded. I'm thinking you could probably make your way right to the front. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. In addition to the normal troubles and trials of life, I do believe that that believers experience a few things that non-believers experience and and I will just solidify that by saying namely I believe that we are persecuted for the cause of Christ. And so in addition to some of the things that we may face that you would find in any sector of society I believe that also there are some persecutions that come our way for the cause of Christ. And so uh, the church faces certainly rejection from the world and by the world uh, because the world is rejecting the gospel and they're rejecting the gospel because they're rejecting Jesus. <laughs> and so when you ally yourself with that, uh, then, then all of a sudden that rejection then has a trickle-down effect and it makes its way right to your heart and your life. And because of that, you're not going to be invited into some social circles. Because when you show up, you're going to reign on their party. Amen. I've walked in the room sometimes and just watched people's countenance falls. That's always a real ego booster, you know. Because now people are, are they're going to have to change their language a little bit. They're not going to be as free to do whatever they want to do. And, and uh, you know, when we realize that we're in a place like that, we try to stay long as we need to stay, but then we try to sometimes get away as fast as we can and uh, quick as we can because we don't... <laughs> i just leave that alone. Amen. We just want them to be able to... They're going to feel a whole lot better seeing our taillights than they did see in our headlights. Let's put it that way. People say, you got to go already? <laughs> Let me get that door for you. <laughs> Let me help you. Wish you could have stayed longer. And so there is a rejection by the world that re- because they've rejected the gospel. And so that trickles down to our doorstep. And sometimes we're laughing about this a little bit. Sometimes that can be wounding and painful because we like to be accepted. In John 15 and 20, Jesus told his disciples, he said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And when you join allegiance with him, there's something that comes with that. But during these trying times, people who face these trying trials and, and situations or persecution, sometimes we, we risk or we run the risk of losing patience with our circumstances. In trials and under pressure, we, we run the risk of losing patience with other people. And we, at, even at times, we run the risk of losing patience with God. Amen. I can appreciate you not running the aisles over that one, but we've all wanted to kind of glance up sometimes and just see if God still was looking down because we are thinking that by now this should be over. By now uh, we should be feeling some sort of reprieve. And so recognizing this danger 
Recognizing the, the bent in the heart of mankind, James picks up his pen and he writes to a church that desperately needs to hear these words. He encourages his reader, and that is you and I today, to be patient in the midst of our persecutions. Because patience is that righteous standard that God is really expecting from all of us. Amen. We must conform to that no matter what we are facing. Therefore, it's this patience under persecution that becomes that test of genuine faith that we can just walk with unanswered prayers still kind of dangling out there. We can serve him even though portions and, and, and areas of our life are marked with uncertainty, we just walk on anyway. It has been an amazing thing through the last many years to stand behind this desk. What a privilege it has been for me to be able to stand behind this desk and to watch many people go through things that you think just at face value, this will take them out. This could has the potential at least to snuff their spiritual light completely out. And yet when Sunday comes, they come walking back through the door. And uh, I'm not suggesting you to you that they're always clicking their heels, but there's something in their countenance. There's this gut strength that somehow they've reached down and gotten a hold of themselves and pulled themselves together. And we realize that it's that... It's that patience under persecution. I don't understand this, but I'm going to magnify the Lord anyway. I'm going to praise him anyway. And so he encourages us as true Christians to remain patient. No matter how severe or no matter how relentless our trials may be, we just have to remain patient and understand that God is looking at this through a completely different lens. And he understands things about this, facets of this that I may never understand. Now, James doesn't just ask something without giving some context. And so he gives us a few realistic perspectives, I suppose, uh, at this particular text or from this text. And so it's from the vantage point of the perspective of James that I want to talk to you this morning. And so I, I don't want you to just read it for yourself and come to your own conclusion, but I'm asking us to look at this for a moment through the eyes of James. He's teaching how we can gain patience to endure things that we inevitably may face in life. And so I want us to briefly consider these perspectives as we move forward. I think the very first thing we find in the writings of James 5 and 7 is that he is pointing to the second coming of the Lord. Now, I'm encouraged today by what we see around us. I understand there's a lot of discouraging things around us. And our world seems to be in a lot of chaos. But what I see as a positive thing through all the chaos of the world is that today we can see more clearly than ever before. I'm talking about with just our eyes, our natural eyes. And, and when with even limited spiritual understanding, we can see the shaping up of the return of the Lord. You know, I, I am 55 years old and I've heard terms like one world government my whole entire life. And uh, when that just seemed to be such a far-fetched concept, how could there be a one-world 
government with us all the way over here in America and then we think about people in Asia, other far-reaching points of the world. But today, I think we all have sense enough to realize that the world is connected. And that this could be more seamless than we could dare imagine. That the Lord, amen, the Lord is coming. He is coming. And so James points out in James 5... Six and seven. I'm going to read these verses together and I want us to look at something. He said, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Amen. James was keeping their eyes affixed to something that was beyond the severity of their everyday trial, and that was the anticipation of the Lord's return. Amen. I will tell you today that we are, we are dealing with a generation who has their eyes seemingly fixed on the ground and not on tomorrow. Our eyes fixed on today, perhaps a better way to say that, and not on tomorrow. And there was a generation before us that had the opposite of that, and that's what we should hearken back to. Amen. Not to have our eyes so focused on today, but our eyes focused on tomorrow. I mentioned it Wednesday night, but the old song that says, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. How true, how true it is that we would, uh, that we would understand the value of truly having that settled in our mind. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. A few Sunday mornings ago, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned this and we'll just briefly touch it again, but we don't feel any desire in our heart to rent a motel for one night and then take all of our pictures and all of our decorations from home for that room because we get it. We're just there for one night. I can do without this picture. I can do without this candle. I can do without this or that. I can do without that because I'm just passing through. And I wonder today if we could pull that idea and that ideal back into our spirit and help us to realize that I'm just passing through. And so if the Lord answers this prayer now or tomorrow or next month, that will be great. But if not, he's coming again. And that coming is going to take not only me out of this world, but it'll take me out of this situation. Hallelujah. And so he said, we, brethren, he said, you need to be patient. Therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. He said, just like the farmer is patient and waiting on the former, the first and the latter rain, we need to understand that the Lord is coming again. Three times in this verse, James refers to uh, the coming of the Lord, the realization, amen, that, that is always going to be there. What a great hope that the Lord is coming again. Amen, to understand without any shadow of doubt that we are headed to a city whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. Amen. We are on our way somewhere else. We're just pausing for the moment. 
this mindset provides this great hope. Amen. Not not uh, not uh, not not thin hope, not just a vapor of hope, but great hope who are for those who are walking through seasons of uncertainty. If the Lord heals me now, that would be wonderful, and to Him be all the glory. But if not, He's coming again. He's coming again, and at that day, I'll receive my healing. If healing is what we're talking about, the church's great hope. Amen. Our great hope. I've got great hope for. If the Lord wills to us be to be here this Wednesday night, coming Wednesday night, I've got great hope for what God can do here. Amen. But I'm going to tell you that my hope that's beyond the greatness of next Wednesday or next Sunday or whatever we may ever plan, my great hope is that the Lord is coming again. That glorious truth not arbitrarily finds itself mentioned some 500 times in Scripture. We should not take it for granted. I'm coming again. I'm coming again. I'm coming again. I'm coming again. And so if uh, brother, I, I, I mention it a lot because it moved me a lot. Brother Dean, brother Jerry Dean said for us to sing this world is not our home. We're just passing through. He said we sure are driving our tent stakes pretty deep if that's how we really feel. Amen. I say Lord help me to loosen those tent stakes and realize that I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. I will not plan to be here tomorrow night. I'm just here to spend the night. I'm just staying for the night. I just need a little refreshment here and now. But you see, tomorrow is gonna find me somewhere else. And I say to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the Lord help us to have our focus and our our idea, our passions, and our all of our hopes nailed not to the United States of America and its economy. Our hope is not nailed and fastened to Washington D.C. I pray for our leaders I pray for our leaders in Tallahassee but my hope is not in government. My hope is not in the economy of the, of the United States. My hope is not in the economy of the world but my hope is found in the fact that he is coming again and he's going to claim the church as a bride unto himself. God, the Lord has said much about his return. He taught, he taught in his scripture that his return would be preceded with definite signs. In Matthew 24, he portrayed his coming as a very dramatic event, an event that is so unmistakable. We will not, we will not miss the coming of the Lord. It will be a time of separation. According to Matthew 24 and 31, the angels will gather the elect to enjoy the presence of the Lord. According to that same chapter, just a few verses later, they're also going to gather unbelievers and banish them from the presence of the Lord. And so his return will be a time of separation. Amen. Every child of God is to live in the hope of the certainty of the Lord's return. The Bible says, in the book of First Peter, I'll just read it for you in chapter four and verse seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Don't get so caught up in what's going on in this world that we forget to look up. Amen. Don't get so caught up in the circumstances of our life and sometimes the trial and the pain and the heartache of our life. Don't get so caught up that we forget to look up. 
Paul, Paul in, the, in Timothy's letter, in chapter four, verse eight, Paul said, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing. I'm looking, amen, I am looking for the return of the Lord. Amen, that sure hope of his return, that sure hope of his return is so comforting to those who are undergoing trials and persecution because that hope and because of that hope many writers of scripture confirm their feelings again and again and again. Paul said to the church in Rome in chapter 8 and verse 18, for I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be revealed, amen, it's not worthy to be compared rather with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I just reckon that what I'm going through, amen, now don't be off put by that casual terminology, for I reckon. Because if you know anything about the life of Paul, then you know something about the suffering of Paul. And if a man who was nearly crushed under the weight of life could say, I just reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us, if he can reach out and grab a hold of that, amen, then I'm gonna ask him, amen, hey, Paul, how about reaching out, amen, and helping me get my hand on that as well. Plant my feet on a rock and make them sure. In 2 Corinthians, this same writer reminded the Corinthian church, he said, this light affliction, amen, is gonna produce in me or in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. Amen, God is not picking on us. God is not just trying to flex his spiritual muscles, but what he is trying to do is to produce in us an eternal weight of glory. Simon Peter also encouraged the suffering believers to remember their Lord's return. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 6 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, if need be ye are in heaviness through, the, through manifold temptations. In verse number 7, he said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna tell you today that what we're going through and what you may be walking through, God is not taking you there just so that he can crush you, but God is building something in us. He is solidifying something in us. Hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you some of these old elders, and I say that with great deference, have the opinion that you're not gonna to make the pond so muddy that I'm not gonna swim in it. Amen, life has thrown them some very tough situations. But you know what? Somehow out of the rubble, they have stood and withstood through time. It's not because they're superhuman. They didn't get another Holy Ghost that you didn't get. It wasn't the Holy Ghost of the 40s that was stronger than the Holy Ghost of the 60s or the Holy Ghost of the 60s that was stronger than the Holy Ghost of the 80s. It has everything to do with the receipt Amen, I say, God, help me today to get my eyes off of me, get my eyes off of my own mirror and help me to put my nose in the book and get my eyes on you because in you I rest, in you I hope, in you I build my future because you are my future. 
Praise God. Praise God. Something powerful happens when we, when we focus on the return of the Lord. For one thing, I think the understanding that Jesus is coming again motivates us to godly living. Amen. If you know somebody's dropping by your house sometime tomorrow, well, you can just kind of afford to sit around with your flip-flops on. If you know they're just coming sometime tomorrow. But if you know they're coming at 12 noon tomorrow, there's a motivation that I've got to be ready. I've got to be ready. Amen. Jesus, amen, so many times underlined with a pen of those anointed by his spirit. John, 1 John 3 and 3, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure when you know he's coming. When you think he's coming. When he may be coming, we can probably afford to be more casual. But when we know he's coming. Now, there's some people in my life and some people in your life, perhaps, that when they tell you they're going to drop by, you can just keep on doing whatever you're doing. Even when they tell you they're going to be there at noon, you can just keep on doing whatever you're going to do. Because it will be probably closer to two, three, if they come at all. I feel a little bit of affirmation in this building that I'm not alone. Or either we all have the same friend. <laughs> but there are some people, when they tell you they're going to be there at noon, you better be ready at 1130. You better go ahead and get on the front porch, get the door unlocked, because way before noon, they're going to be pulling in. And if Jesus said he's coming, he's coming. Amen. The, the different opinions. Now, I, I, if you have a sword in your hand today, I'm just going to ask you in Jesus' name and for my sake and everybody else, set it down for a moment. Actually, set it down. Just set it down. Um, the different opinions about the end time truly should not produce arguments that separate us. The book of Revelation isn't given to us so we'll have something new to fight over. But nor is the book of Revelation a crystal clear roadmap to the end time. It's there because we anticipate the Lord's return. And because of that anticipation, that should cause us to purify ourselves. But I believe with all of my heart, not taking anything away from prophecy, and I, please, don't, please don't misunderstand me today, not taking anything away from prophecy or any of those things, but I believe the focus of every church and every believer, and I believe the focus of the Bible is the gospel. That's the focus of the word of God is the gospel. Now, I meet people all the time, and I'm sure it has everything to do with because of the fact that I'm a, a, a preacher, just like and no doubt Brother Bobby Gibson meets people all the time that has plumbing problems. I believe Brother Hal Maranto probably meets people all the time who've got heat and air conditioning problems, just ironically. And so 
I meet people all the time that are just caught up to their earlobes in all this end time thing. And I, I, and I don't want to use language and leave you with the opinion that I have a bad opinion of the end time. But what I see so commonly is that, that all of their focus and their time and attention has been put there and they have ignored salvific scriptures that will cause those scriptures to pale in comparison because it won't matter when he returns if you don't know about the value of repentance and being buried in his name in baptism and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Those things are going to pale in comparison. We've got to not let the tail wag the dog. We need to make sure that we understand the value of the gospel. And so I want to get my mind. I'm going to tell you something about the Bible. While there may be some uncertainties in Scripture about the return of the Lord, when he will return, there are no uncertainties about salvation. The gospel is sure. The gospel is certain. We don't have to wonder. This is not a glass darkly. This is not someone's opinion. This is not what someone may suppose or your interpretation. I've had people say, well, that's just your interpretation of Scripture. No, no, no. I'm not here today to, to defend any apostolic persuasion, but I'm here today to just preach the Word of God. And when you preach the Word of God, this is what we arrive at. Amen. We have a whole lot more clarification on the gospel than we do the end time. To further reinforce his point that believers need to wait patiently for the second coming of the Lord. In verse seven, James described a familiar scene using a very simple illustration. He said the farmer patiently waits on the produce of the soil until he gets the early and the late rains. Having planted his crops, he waits with a spirit of expectation. Amen, there's fruit that's coming. Amen, he can go ahead and start ready in the barn. Well, I don't see any harvest in it. Well, that's all right, but the seed's in the ground. I'm gonna go ahead and prepare the barn. I'm gonna go ahead and prepare the harvest and equipment. Why? I haven't even seen anything sprout through the ground. Amen, but he says, I realize that this crop depends on something that's outside of my control. Therefore, he plants and then he waits on God to bring all the necessary elements together to cause the crop to grow. Amen, those crops are precious and they're valuable to him because he depends on that crop for his very existence. existence. But all he can do is just wait with patience. It's a trial. Is it gonna come up? When it starts breaking through the ground with patience, is it going to yield any fruit? It can be luscious and green. The vines can be ripe. Amen. The stalks can be, uh, the stalks can be everything that they should be by looking at them. But is it going to produce a crop? All he can do is just be patient. James refers to the early and the late rains to show just how long that sometimes they have to wait. The early rains in Palestine arrived at the time of the fall planting. However, the 
the late rains didn't come until harvest time. And so James uses this analogy to point out that there may be a big difference between when you start and when you finish. Applying this analogy, he exhorted them to what? To be patient. The apostle Paul, he addressed the same uh, similar exhortation to the Galatians when he said, let's not be weary and well-doing for in due season we're gonna reap if we faint not. Hallelujah. James further encourages his readers to establish, or the word establish, to establish their heart. That means to make fast or to confirm. It's a word denoting the attitude to stake the course no matter how severe the trial. James urged his reader to strengthen their hearts with this one hope that Jesus is coming again. Amen. We all, you sing the old song, Jesus is coming soon. Could be maybe morning, night, or noon. Amen. We don't know when the Lord is going to come, but I'm going to tell you, amen, our plans are today. Our plans are to do thus and thus and thus. That's our plans if the Lord doesn't come and call us home. Hallelujah. Forgive me if I haven't been preaching about it enough, but we need to talk about it again and again and again. We're going to be here Wednesday. Amen. That's on our schedule. That's in our heart. That's in our mind. I've already begun studying for Wednesday night, but hear me. Amen. The Lord may come between now and then. Hallelujah. That's why you don't need to be playing church because the Lord may come. Amen. That's why we don't need to have one foot in and one foot out because the Lord may come. Hallelujah. I've got to get my mind made up. I've got to drive some stakes down into the soil. I gotta get some things settled in my heart, settled in my mind. Why? Amen, because so-and-so's watching? No. Amen, because somebody might tell on me? No. Amen, because somebody made this? No, no, no. I gotta get it right because Jesus is coming. Yes, he is. Jesus is coming. The coming of the Lord is imminent. That means it could happen at any moment. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, can you imagine? Amen, you got dressed for church or you thought you were getting dressed for church this morning and you never realized it never crossed your mind, never crossed my mind that we were getting dressed for the very last time. Amen, this is the very last time we're gonna put the key in the ignition and make our way to, 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 to 503 Southeast Cephas Liston Road. This is the last time. Amen, we were coming and our plans were to do this and our plans were to do that. But somewhere in that eastern sky, amen, those clouds, Clouds parted and he came back. He came back just like he said he would. Just like he said he would. Praise God. Praise God. My Lord, I'm feeling something today. <laughs> Praise God. The Lord's return is imminent. Throughout the New Testament, its writers and its readers were anticipating the soon coming of their king. And they lived their life as if he could come today. In persecution, they drew their hope from the knowledge that he was coming soon and that this suffering is just temporary. In this vast array of end time studies, one of the things that I struggle with the most, and pardon me for being personal here for just a moment, amen, are those that just try to explain away how this could never happen. Amen, I'm gonna tell you that the church 
Amen. The church I've been a part of at least, amen, has always had the attitude that the coming of the Lord is imminent. Amen. He can come at any time. Amen. He could come before I finish this. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And that has been the attitude of the church. Amen. This could be the day. Amen. I think another prism that James gives us to look through, and I took way more time with that one than maybe I anticipated, but James 5 and 9, he said, Grudge not against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. James portrays Jesus as the judge about to enter the judgment hall. And this is the flip side, really, to his first point. The hope of the second coming does provide hope and comfort in trials. Living with difficult circumstances sometimes can cause us to get frustrated and lose our patience. And it's just all right to say amen to that because we're all made of the same cloth. James gives us a sample but a powerful motive to avoid such bitter complaining. He said, just don't grudge lest you be condemned. Amen. Lord, help me to seal my mouth. Help me to seal my mouth. Some things are, don't need to be just, don't need to be said even though you did think to say it. Amen. Just be better off unsaid. Amen, we need to follow the Lord's servants. God has provided for the church people to follow. Chapter five, verse 10, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. So he said, I'm gonna put somebody in your life for you to follow. So follow them. James pointed out the example of prophets that endured suffering, but they did so with patience. The Old Testament prophets in and even into the New Testament, we find men and women who suffered greatly. I need some Bible students to say amen to that. They suffered greatly for the cause of Christ. They, and they serve as a fitting example of people that endured evil treatment from other people, all for the name of the Lord. The prophets, they were God's spokesmen and, and they were rejected as God's spokesmen and and, and that rejection is very familiar and it's a tragic theme in the history of Israel. Jesus denounced the Pharisees as the sons, listen to this, Jesus denounced the Pharisees as the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Because they felt like if we can just shut them up, then somehow that voids what God has already spoken. Elijah faced hostility from, from evil people like the king of Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Jeremiah endured opposition, opposition all throughout his ministry and this opposition brought him such sorrow, such sorrow that, that Jeremiah became known as the weeping prophet. Can't you just see people crossing the street to avoid another tear-filled testimony of Jeremiah? Ezekiel endured the death of his wife during the course of his ministry and then was asked not to even mourn. Daniel was torn from his homeland as a young boy, later thrown into a den of lions because of his faithfulness to God. Hosea endured a heartbreaking marriage. Read it, Hosea. It's a little graphic, but read it. Amos faced lies and disdain. John the Baptist was imprisoned and beheaded. 
for his testimony of God's truth. Amen. I know we don't like to think about all those things, but God has given us examples of people who just kept walking even though they faced. Hallelujah. I'm gonna go to verse 11. I wanna break verse 11 down in in a couple of segments here. Verse 11, I just want the very first part of this. It says, behold, we count them happy which endure. The phrase we count introduces a fourth motive for patiently enduring trials and it's common knowledge that God has blessed those who endure. Amen. And people who endure are the objects of divine favor. Before you ever look at someone and say, man, I sure wished I had their blessings, you need to kind of slip around somewhere and find the price tag. Because I promise you somewhere tucked into that blissful ministry that you desire that other person that you would love, so love for that just to be you in a few days, years, or months, or whatever, you need to first pull out the price tag and figure it out whether or not you really want to pay that price. God's blessing does come to people who do great things, but I'm going to people. I'm going to tell you those people are also people who have endured some real stuff, some real stuff. Looking at verse 11 again, behold, we count them happy which endure. He said, you have heard of the patience of Job. Well, how could you talk about suffering and patience without mentioning Job? It's a familiar but an incredible story of his attitude in the midst of all the things that he encountered. Probably one of the most popular stories in Jewish history. Job endured in unimaginable suffering, yet through all of that, he did not sin or charge God foolishly. Amen. There were at least four divine purposes to Job's suffering. One was to test his faith and to prove whether or not it was genuine. Secondly, it was to hinder Satan's attempt to destroy that faith. Thirdly, it was to strengthen Job's faith and enable him to see God more clearly. And fourthly, it was to increase Job's blessings because God did indeed bless him with more than he ever had. All of those purposes were realized. Because despite all of his trials, Job remained loyal to God. The example of of Job encourages us to to just march on, march on. I understand the weight of what I'm talking about today. Please don't just think that I've got some kind of yippee yay yay spirit on me and I'm ignoring the blood and the guts and the trial and the weight and sometimes the suffering that comes along with what I'm talking about. Amen. Consider, if you will, the Lord's character. We look at the latter portion of verse 11 finally. He says, Behold, we count them happy which endured. You've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Fittingly, James closed his appeal to patiently endure trials with a reminder of the character of the Lord himself. It's not uncommon for those in the midst of severe trials to really, really question whether or not God cares. Now, you don't have to get up and run around. But I think we've all found ourselves there. Does God really care? Does he really know? Does he truly understand? Has he? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But we can take comfort in the, in the indisputable truth that the Lord's compassionate mercy is to every generation. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He's compassionate, he's merciful. And God will, will make a way through whatever trial he has ever asked us to endure. God 
makes a way. He lifts us. He encourages us. He breathes life into us. Somehow God gives us exactly what we need when we need it. I want to ask you to stand. We've all been, we've all been right there. We've needed something. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. But God just pays us that holy visitation. He places something in our heart. He solidifies us again and we go back into the battle. God just it, it may be a song it may be a sermon it may be a phone call myriad things it could be but God knows exactly what we need when we need it I, I know I've referred to this so many many times through the years but it impacted my life and and it has caused me to create something sort of kin to this but many years ago brother Mooney was preaching a camp meeting in Ocala it was back when we were in the old we were uh, uh, having camp meeting in the gym we had moved out of the old tabernacle and we were having camp meeting in the gym and, and as he went to the pulpit brother Mooney and, and only brother Mooney's style pulled out an old worn, well-worn manila envelope, folder, file folder rather. And it was his God file. If you were there, you will remember this. And he said, I keep this God file. And when God answers prayers and when God does things, he said, I write it down and I put it in this folder. He said, the next time I'm up against something and I And I'm wondering if God really knows where I am. I go to my God file. And I open it up and say, well, wait a minute. You know, he was here then. And I know that we could go to the word of God and from Genesis to Revelation, we could find hope in the word of God where God moved for Daniel and where God moved for Simon Peter and where God moved for this one and that one. But you see, when when God moves in our life, it makes it very personal. And I realize that God has moved in a very specific way. My God, file. And so today, I think that in our times of suffering and persecution and those moments when we really wonder if God truly gets it, We need a God file that I can go back to and I'm going to add that to the word of God. But you see, it's not going to say James and it's not going to say, it's not going to say John. It's it's, it's not going to talk about Matthew or Hosea or Nehemiah, but it's going to have my name. And that's going to take me back to that moment in time when God just answered a prayer. He moved on my behalf. He gave me the strength that I needed. And sometimes it's not always just toys and trinkets that God fills our lives with. Sometimes it's just a, I can go again now. Amen.
Praise God. I believe we ought to entertain the presence of the Lord here today. Amen. I really believe we ought to entertain the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for moving in our midst. And thank you, God, for never losing our address. Thank you, Lord, for always being able to feel the weight of what I'm wearing. Thank you, Lord, for always being able to feel what I'm feeling. The name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged Exchange it someday for. <laughs> Ooh, I feel healing in this house today. I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Come on now, let's tap into this. I'll cherish the old rugged My trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday. in the Holy Ghost to say something today whatever it is that you're facing battling carrying in life you see there's coming a day that whatever you've been pulling behind you whatever you've been dragging along that you just could not ever seemingly get deliverance from healing or that prayer answered, you've just been pulling it along. Just been pulling it along through life. Amen. You've gotten weary and tired and at times you just wanted to let go. And you wondered why, so much why, the Lord wouldn't just deliver you. Why the Lord wouldn't just deliver you. But you see, one of these days, one of these days, if He doesn't heal, deliver, change, or transform us on this side of eternity... 
Amen. One of these days, I'm going to drag it the last mile. And I'm going to drag it back to the foot of the cross. Amen. I'm going to bring it back to him. Amen. I'm going to exchange this for that. Amen. I'm going to exchange this that that has hindered me, this that has pulled, this that has tormented, this that has been the birthplace of so many questions in my spirit. Why, Lord, why? Why not delivered? Why not healed? Why an unanswered prayer? Why, why, why? One of these days, amen, according to the powerful truths of this song, I'm going to exchange all that. I'm going to give that to him. Amen. In return, he's going to give me what I've been reaching for all of these years. Hear me today. This needs to be more than a closing melody. Amen. This needs to be a powerful truth that is underlined in our hearts. Hallelujah. 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 I'll cherish. I'll cherish the old. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will cling to the old rugged cross. Here it is. And exchange it someday. For a crown, yes, I will cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. Exchange it someday a crown. I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday. I am hesitant today. I'm hesitant to do something, but I feel it in my spirit and I'm not trying to embarrass anyone at all. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone at all. We're believing God to do some miracles in the lives of people. Amen. This lady here today just represents one of many. Amen. That needs God to do something miraculous in her life. Amen. But you know what? I'm thankful for the faith. Amen. That faith that was once delivered to the saints. Amen. That between now and my healing... I'm just going to keep serving him. I'm just going to keep walking with him. Because you see, firmly fixed 
well beyond the tenets of this world, the tentacles of this world, is the hope and the understanding that one of these days I'm going to exchange this. Amen. If I don't get my healing on this side of eternity, one of these days I'm going to exchange this. <laughs> Hallelujah. One of these days I will no longer be required to drag this through life. One of these days I'll no longer be tethered to the thing that I feel has held me bondage and captive but one day I'm going to exchange it one day that's why the scripture says in this lifetime beautiful is that in the eyes of the Lord or precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints that makes no sense to us because we don't want to lose mama or grandmama we don't want to lose our son or our daughter or our aunt or our uncle but you see the Lord sees something much bigger in all of this than we could ever bring into focus and so one of these days Days. Amen. We see it as sorrow. We see it as loss. We see it as what it cost us. But we forget to see or fail to see the exchange. One of these days, I'm going to trade this sorrow for a crown. One of these days, I'm going to trade, amen, this heartache for a crown. One of these days, I'm going to trade this sickness for a crown. So I'll cherish <laughs> the old rugged cross oh yes 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 until my trophies at last God, I don't want you to embarrass anybody. I don't want you to embarrass anybody. But if you feel comfortable, I want you to just slip out to somebody you know that may be walking through something right now. Amen. I want you to just take them by the hand if it's appropriate. Amen. I want you to pray a prayer of faith for them. Amen. That they would not faint. Amen. They would not be weary in well-doing. That they would not give up before the latter rain. That they would not give up before God. Amen. Has a chance to bring fruit to that vine. And God has a chance to bring an answer to that prayer. Hallelujah. Please. Amen. Don't just stand. Please don't just stand disconnected. I'm talking to the church now. Amen. Please don't just stand by yourself. Somebody. You know someone somewhere who could use your prayer, your comfort, your hope, your consolation. Oh God, I'm asking you today to anoint. I'm asking you This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.